0: Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get
1: started. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who has wasted way too much time thinking about the Time Warner mergers over the past decades, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Macon Rahim from the United States Justice Department. He's the Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division, one of my favorite divisions of the Justice Department, and has been at the center of the government's attempts to stop Time Warner from merging with AT&T, but also deal with a lot of other issues, many of which will be around tech. Macon, welcome to Recode Decode.
2: Kara, thanks so much for having so me.
1: I'm thrilled you're here. I know there's certain things you can't talk about. I get that. But I wanted to get people to have a one of the things that's happening, I think, a lot is Nobody really is talking to each other very well and understanding what's going on around uh, all kinds of issues. And so what I really think is very interesting is to get people uh, talking about where things are going and talking about the bigger ideas. So I'm really pleased you're here to do that. Um, So give us a little background on yourself. I often, whenever I talk to entrepreneurs, I want to give an idea of where people come from and how they get where they have gotten.
2: Well, it depends when in time you ask. All right, all right. I Not come from child. Uh, well,
1: child, go ahead.
2: I was born in Iran, mm-hmm. so I was a product of the revolution. Came out here in 1979 mm-hmm. when I was about 10 years old with my mm-hmm. family, uh, and came to Los Angeles. So right. I grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, even though I probably spent more time outside of Los Angeles, I still consider that that's where I grew up. My formative years uh, was there through UCLA undergrad. Came out to DC to become a patent mm-hmm. uh, attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, nowhere else better. I studied physiology, so I really wanted to be in the biotech. And right around then, the biotech movement had broken and with what, genetics. Why, why so? You know, when I was an uh, undergrad and studying those issues, I loved it. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and uh, I'll explain uh, how I demonstrate my love, because mm-hmm. I actually did something crazy. I went mm-hmm. and got my master's in biotechnology after wow. law school. Uh, but I love the sciences. I mm-hmm. think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a huge impact on every one of our Absolutely. lives uh, in, you know, medicine. Mm-hmm. And I was just fascinated by it. So in undergrad, when I was studying, the god of our world was the NIH mm-hmm. and the scientist at the National Institutes of Health. Right. So I came out here to become a biotech patent lawyer and work at the NIH during the day. And mm-hmm. GW back then had, the, had one of the, you know, best programs. So uh, I came to D.C., fell in love with the area, went to school mm-hmm. uh, at night and started working the, at the NIH. getting na- the biotech NIH. after law school? Uh, when, uh, no, this is in law school. Law school. Law okay. school was night for me. Right, right. And I worked at the NIH. You went to where? NIH. Yeah. Uh, I went to George Washington, George to Washington. University.
1: Uh-huh. And, and you worked at NIH. And what was your job? What did it entail?
2: So the the NIH had this thing, probably one of the greatest industrial policies in the United mm-hmm. States was mm-hmm. this thing called By dole Act. Mm-hmm. And this is former Senator Birch Bay and former yeah. Senator Bob Dole. Uh, since there's both of those right. uh, later on. Uh, uh, they they passed this law that said that innovations, inventions that were funded by federal government uh, resources uh, should be allowed under certain conditions to be commercialized. Right. and licensed Like the out Internet, to the, perhaps. Well, the Internet, you name it, mm-hmm. GPS technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost 80% of our biotechnology has some sources and basic uh, right. research that goes on at the NIH, mm-hmm. the uh, AIDS test kit, mm-hmm. tamoxifen for, you know, breast cancer, mm-hmm. um, you name it. There's many of them. And so the, some of the world's best scientists are at the NIH. Right. Uh, and I love that. And so there was this little office that was involved with patenting the technologies owned by
0: right. the to NIH. Right. And
2: then also commercializing them through mm-hmm. licensing, uh, cooperative R&D agreements, right. Right. Com- direct commercialization. And that was the office I got the chance to get my start get and to work, work in. in.
1: And you, why didn't you be open a biotech company? I mean, you wanted to be a lawyer for this? What was the thinking? I've
2: always loved the business side mm-hmm. of uh, things. I've, uh, that's, you know, I think uh, probably what uh, why I was gravitated to both intellectual property law and mm-hmm. antitrust law mm-hmm. uh, is I was fascinated by creation, creative creation, right. and what the business community had done. Uh, you know, did I ever get a chance to uh, open up a biotech company? I, you know, those things are... Yeah. You don't just wake up and do that. Yeah, because
1: so, right here was quite a fun. few of them were in, here and in Silicon Valley. Right
2: outside of 270 Court right, or right exactly. outside. Oh, exactly. yeah, quite a few. Uh, Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and then a San Diego. Right, uh, exactly. And, then, and, and Boston. And it, I don't think it's by accident. Mm-hmm. Those were right near research universities. Absolutely. 100%. Which benefited from the exactly. Bayh-Dole Act
1: exactly. um, and
2: another piece of law called mm-hmm. the Stevenson-Whitler Act, which... Uh, allowed those to be transferred. So, you now had this scientist at either, uh, you know, at Harvard or UC San Francisco or Berkeley, Stanford, uh, and... uh, you, they would set up a little company right. on the side, little right. companies that became, you know, Genentech mm-hmm. and Amgen and, you know, mm-hmm. Regeneron mm-hmm. and whatever they are uh, nowadays. So that's how those little communities developed. So
1: that's the, always the best case scenario where the government does research, there's a, there's a university attached to it, and then there's commercial interests mm-hmm. of everything that's worked rather well, at least in the digital space that's always worked out rather well. People didn't right. ever realize why AOL was here, but May East was here, the original, and some of the original companies that linked up people to the internet started here after it became commercialized, which was kind of interesting. So you did that, and then?
2: I had an opportunity, I was kind of the lowest man on the totem pole, at the mm-hmm. NIH, mm-hmm. where during the WTO negotiations, mm-hmm. uh, this was, Mickey Cantor was the U.S. trade rep, Yep, uh, mid-90s, 94, 95, uh, to be detailed, and I got lent out By the NIH to Mm -hmm. the U.S. Trade Representative's Office to work on the intellectual property chapter of the WTO, uh, which at the time was called the GATT. Yeah. And uh, it was the first time in history we had an IP chapter Mm and standards. And one issue had come up was uh, the issue of government subsidies. Mm -hmm. So uh, in Europe, you had Airbus. You did and you still do mm-hmm. where the government subsidizes they were that was uh, that, a big deal it yeah. was a big deal mm-hmm. as a and a competitive factor to mm-hmm. boeing being able to compete in the free markets and what one of the europeans in those negotiations raised was hey look at your biotech industry right. you guys got how, all this you know tech transfer which mm-hmm. is what it's called under the bideol and you guys subsidize this whole industry that mm-hmm. you guys are a leader mm-hmm. in and so people wanted to know, what is this tech transfer? Right. And I got a chance to go. And that was my first taste of policy. Right, uh, I was 23-ish or so, Wow. and came to work on the trade reps. And it was a phenomenal experience to learn at probably one of the better agencies and, in and all and the government. talk
1: about that idea of tech transfer. It's really important. I think it's a really, that people forget how this happens and how, was it to give advice around the globe or to create a, a global initiative in that regard?
2: Well, initially it was to understand how does this work in the U.S. government right. and how do you distinguish that from what, you know, uh, foreign countries which do and provide. subsidies, yeah. Exactly. Right. To, which, you know, which distorts the competitive process. Or it
1: can. Or sometimes people look at it in a good way. We can talk about that later because what's going on in Korea, where people right. feel that that's a great thing for the government. Or even if you go back before that, telephones, you know, the telephone subsidies that were happening to create that, which create different, there's different ways to do it.
2: Different ways, but when you do that to create national champions, to distort Mm -hmm. competition in that race that should occur, hopefully Mm -hmm. in free competition, Mm -hmm. um, that was the issue. So people wanted to understand. And then when I got there, you know, I got tasked with doing a lot of things that was uh, at the time going Mm -hmm. on, which dealt with uh, both bilateral and multilateral. And it was the implementation of that WTO agreement. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that was the first uh, real taste I had of policy. Yeah. And probably change the direction, because otherwise I was going to do my work at NIH, finish law school, and move somewhere in the sun between Santa Barbara and San Diego. And then
1: just work for biotech firms. Or, you know,
2: practice law or do something. Uh, That's what I would have done.
1: So then you you did practice law then?
2: I did. So I left the trade rep's office. I did a health fellowship working for Orrin Hatch Mm -hmm. on the Senate Judiciary Committee, dealing with the export of biotech and food and drug laws. Mm-hmm. Back then, our U.S. laws were, if you had a drug or device that had been approved abroad,
3: mm-hmm.
2: in let's say in I don't know Germany, but had not been approved by the FDA, you couldn't export that. Right. And so the U.S. laws, you know, got reformed. I want to say that was ninety five-ish or so, mm-hmm. ninety four, ninety five, later. Um, and then I went when I graduated, I joined a law firm, uh, Patton Boggs, mm-hmm. uh, here in D.C where uh, I, I got to, again, see a different side of things. They didn't have a patent practice, mm-hmm. and so I, I was doing more, uh, some copyright and then antitrust law.
1: Right, which is where you got into that.
2: That's where I got more into that, and, and you, I was you, already fascinated you, by it.
1: In that, you, is that where you work for, you work for a number of tech, I've run into a lot of tech companies who you've worked for. That's are uh, recently have. an executive. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to name who it is, but it was, it was was you started to work for tech companies in general.
2: I did. I did some work uh, over there. Mm-hmm. I did uh, uh, for some tech companies. Mm-hmm. I did for some, you know, plain old merger work for mm-hmm. paper companies. Right. right. Um, I did uh, some telecom. That was paper? A, a paper. No, I'm kidding. I'm uh, kidding. I'm uh, kidding. I'm technology <laughs> <a> corrugated paper. <laughs> yes. Uh, the. Uh, it's
1: a good technology. It works uh, well for Amazon.
2: You know, it's a huge part of our market. Yeah, it is. The law firm had acquired a telecom practice, and at mm-hmm. the time, you remember... It mm-hmm. was right before the 1996 uh, Telecom Act yes. so that was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patton Boggs was heavily involved with the reform mm-hmm. of uh, the law, but also had a lot of clients uh, in the regulatory side. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did some antitrust work, uh, and then I got a chance. To go work for the Senate Judiciary Committee mm-hmm. on the Microsoft investigation. Yeah. So Orrin Hatch led the you know the investigation in mm-hmm. that after some complaints, um, and uh, uh, you know uh, his then uh, the Senate Judiciary's chief of staff mm-hmm. had called me because I had done member about a, a yeah. five month little fellowship mm-hmm. on the health stuff. And so I'd gotten to know some of them, but they contacted me, said, "Hey, would you have any interest to come work on antitrust?" And uh, so talk about that IP. was that
1: where was, was that was the first time you sort of got to see the power of Silicon Valley? I covered that for the Washington Post, but it was really it was it was a remarkably important case. I don't think people think hard enough about what it meant, what that particular case meant. How did you look at that?
2: Uh, I saw not well not only the power of Silicon Valley, but power of uh, technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw. A lot of companies who were coming uh, together, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, you saw the, the what was the anti-competitive conduct, what mm-hmm. was alleged, mm-hmm. and you had many cases of folks right. who were saying, hey, I'm getting crushed right. because-
1: Lots and lots. Of, this company AOL, cannot- uh, Including including yeah. Netscape. Yeah, Netscape.
2: That mm-hmm. was the one, or mm-hmm. Mark Andreessen and Jim Barksdale. Mm-hmm. You also had Scott McNeely at, mm-hmm. at Sun at the time and yeah. Larry Ellison. Right. At Oracle but so I got involved with that AOL mm-hmm. uh, at the time was very much
1: yeah
2: uh, AOL Time Warner merger mm-hmm. was a yeah. hearing I worked on yeah, yeah. back then um, so a lot of these things got to come back and then uh, copyright as well uh, mm-hmm. there was the digital Millennium Copyright right. Act right I wasn't the principal staffer on that mm-hmm. but I was there when that was happening and there was an interesting time because there were a lot of provisions and laws that were made then that has, to this day, has huge impact on the tech industry.
1: So what did you think at the time? I want to get, because I want to get, we want to move forward to today, Mm -hmm. but what was your inkling at the time as these were happening? Because the Microsoft merger, everyone thought it would take care of the situation, that it would free everybody up to compete and everything else. And then all that happened is there's enormous, powerful companies now and now there's lots of them.
2: Uh, yeah, and you know, I think the merger probably allowed for some of those companies to flourish.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know,
2: uh, you, you question—you kind of never know. That's mm-hmm. one of the always the challenges right. in antitrust right. enforcement. Right. It's always prospective, mm-hmm. um, but you also, you know, you you, you that's why th- sometimes the job is difficult. Mm-hmm. You always have to come in every day and, and try to get it right.
1: Right. Because you don't want to hinder innovation.
2: You don't. That's, I think, our our most important aspect of U.S. antitrust law is Mm -hmm. not hindering that Mm -hmm. and actually creating the culture for innovation, Mm -hmm. partly because, uh, not partly, but largely because innovation is actually what creates competition to topple incumbents.
1: Presumably, yes. Presumably. I mean, you know,
2: you have, uh, you know, Netflix Mm -hmm. or Amazon Mm -hmm. that provide consumers a, what they wanted that mm-hmm. they could have probably had, mm-hmm. had the many MVPDs allowed for that. Right. Uh, MVPDs being the cable operators mm-hmm. or others. But when the incentives aren't there financially right. to do that, exactly. all of a sudden you have now with the advent of Internet or and online thinking. streaming. It's not just
1: incentives, it's the thinking of doing it.
2: Right. Uh, there could be the thinking, but mm-hmm. th- when the incentive isn't there, it gets killed.
1: It gets killed. That's, that's
2: right. why you have entrepreneurs breaking mm-hmm. off and starting these little right. startups. So what so.
1: impact did that? T- we're going to get into in the next <laughs> section, but before we finish this one up, what impact do you think the Microsoft trial okay. had when you look back on it?
2: I think it had a number of impacts. Mm-hmm. One, importantly... It reinforced the consensus antitrust view, which Mm -hmm. was upheld by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals Mm -hmm. under traditional antitrust analysis that was applied to those acts. So Joel Klein and the Justice Department, who brought the case uh, and and tried that, there's a lot of folks, naysayers, you know, Mm -hmm. you guys are crazy what is happening there, whether it was— you know, certain editorial pages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you're interfering with business, but at the at its core, in my view, antitrust it protects that free market, and that showed that w- those practices mm-hmm. were wrong mm-hmm. and they were crushing innovation. Right. So I think it made uh, perhaps Microsoft a uh, you know I think a better corporate citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their business hasn't no. uh, been harmed, but other businesses were able to get off the ground. Right. Um, I think, you know, I I don't know if Apple would be the trillion-dollar company Mm -hmm. had it not been for that, partly Mm -hmm. because a new phone would have come on and you would have had to have had the operating Microsoft operating system. Right. uh, Rather than the Apple, which then flourished in App Store Mm -hmm. and and, and others. So I think a lot of innovation has occurred probably because of that, Mm -hmm. but, you know, Who knows?
1: What's interesting is people don't realize Google came after Microsoft, really. I mean, a lot of things, things that you don't even think about, um, came after that trial.
2: Could Google have survived Mm -hmm. had Microsoft wanted to put its own search engine as the preferred search engine in every operating system, which was 98% of every computer Mm -hmm. and then every phone? right. And the only search engine you could have had, mm-hmm. because without it, you wouldn't have been able to have access yeah. to the operating system. Right. Then where would that search yeah. engine have been? Um, so you know, you might not you even know.
1: have had a phone because Microsoft had a lot of disdain for phones at the time. If, if you remember, I mean, I remember and a lot of
2: companies who have yeah. a lot of disdain for new technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Things.
1: All right, we're here with Megan sure. uh, Delrahim. He's the Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division of the U.S. Uh, Justice Department. We're going to take a quick break. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on now. We've just been talking about the history of some things that he's been doing over the years.
3: Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: We're back with Macon Delrahim. He's the Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division of the U.S. Justice Department. Let's fast forward today. So you have all these companies. They've grown up. And I think the Microsoft trial was sort of the great moment for tech when people realized the power of tech, not just in terms of money that these people had, Bill Gates being the richest man in the world at the time, I think not sure if he is now. He's up there. He's still up there. He remains as rich as ever. But it was sort of a, it was like a moment for Silicon Valley. And when the real innovation began to start in Silicon, I think most people feel, despite the fact there'd been so much going on with computers before that, you worked for a whole bunch of different companies after that in the ensuing years. How do you look at Silicon Valley right now? Because a lot of people in Europe and elsewhere feel like it needs to be pulled back. Um, And we'll talk about—we can't talk specifically about your case, or maybe you can a little bit. But how do you look at it overall when you're thinking about these powers? We've created—it's really an American-made industry right Mm -hmm. now. And, of course, it's getting a lot of pressure from China and other places, largely from China. How do you look at it overall when you think about the tech industry here in this country?
2: I look at it with a sense of pride Mm -hmm. uh, as an American, Mm -hmm. but also that we are able to have— Some of the best minds and Mm -hmm. a a community that is able to uh, try, fail, succeed, and have a very fertile uh, ground for innovation. Mm -hmm. And innovation, in my view, is really what ultimately helps the consumer, it's dynamic competition. Mm-hmm. When you have those new products, new services being brought to the consumer, and we just don't know what we don't know. Right. We'd have no, who would have thunk tw- 20 years ago, mm-hmm. we would have the technologies we have today, No, no one. that every one of these phones right. are, can be a television, which they are now. Mm-hmm. You can broadcast and have mm-hmm. podcast without having to go through a local broadcaster right. or a TV station. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the consumers have benefited immensely. And what it has allowed is it's allowed dissemination of information to a lot more people than Mm -hmm. otherwise would be able to get.
1: Mm -hmm. And what do you, when you look at that, many people, though, feel now that it's gotten to a point that they're too powerful. There's obviously hearings going to happen this week. There's all kinds of issues, and I don't want to get into every one of them. But there's a growing sense that these companies are too large, that they're too, that they need some sort of either regulation or, uh, we're in an interesting moment, and especially an antitrust moment. How do you look at the them now as they are, because they have innovated a lot, but you have these big companies, the Apple, uh, you have Apple, Google, Facebook, not really Microsoft anymore, which is kind of ironic if you think about it, um, sort of dominating everything, especially, for example, Google and Facebook in the advertising space almost completely. Um, But it's not one single company, it's like five or six of them. I liken them to a bunch of semis running down the highway with nobody (laughs) able to get around them in a lot of ways.
2: Uh, in some ways, I think that is true. The question is, is that momentary? Mm-hmm. Is it, uh, you know, is that is that a reward of their superior acumen mm-hmm. investment risk mm-hmm. that they have taken? Um, it wasn't that long ago where Netflix, who's mm-hmm. considered one of the fang companies, yeah. um, was, you know, under siege. Right. I mean, they were right. n- nowhere. Right. They, they shouldn't have survived. Mm-hmm. But I think kudos to Reed Hastings and those folks who... Uh, Persevered over. Uh, uh, I forget now. The company, uh, all was, of them, oh, Time Well, it was Time Warner. Yeah, Blockbuster. Yeah. You had folks. I don't and remember
1: uh, Jeff Bucas called it. Uh, called them Lithuanians. He called them. They were. They, they weren't going to make it. He essentially insulted them on stage several times. Mr.
2: Bucas has had very colorful language, <laughs> yeah. and, and he referred to Sling, you know, during our trial, yes. uh, yeah. certain ways. But uh, no, absolutely. And these folks uh, survive mm-hmm. despite all odds. Mm-hmm and they create something new Mm -hmm. uh, and that that people want, and then that is emulated, Mm -hmm. and then folks try to kill them again because now that's creating competition. Uh, So I think that what they do could be temporary. Mm -hmm. As long as the barriers to entry for Mm -hmm. competition are still low, Mm -hmm. somebody can enter, can, you know, uh, there was room Mm -hmm. for Snapchat Mm -hmm. to come Mm -hmm. out and uh, compete mm-hmm. in, in some level, partly because consumers preferred maybe a disappearing snap, you know, right. uh, yeah. for right. uh, in twenty-four hours. Right. Uh, and I think there's room there for consumers to try out and for innovators. And that's mm-hmm. what we don't we do not want to punish mm-hmm. that competitor who we've encouraged them to compete and succeed. Right. Once they succeed, we do not want to get them out of the business. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that our policies don't discourage that. Right. It's not you know go out compete be successful but only to a limit. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not our economy, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that is good for our economy. We want them to... We want every one of them to become monopolists Mm -hmm. as long as they're behaving properly. I see. We don't want them to, once they are there, Mm -hmm. now try to block and create a moat around themselves in an inappropriate way. Right. So that's that's the way I look at it. So
1: Europeans see it differently. They feel as if these companies have gotten untold power and are advantaging themselves. And the U.S. government has been... Relatively hands off on a lot of it for a long, long time. And you feel that's the best policy still?
2: Well, it depends. Mm -hmm. You know, so my job isn't uh, really one of my legal heroes is Mm -hmm. former justice and head of the antitrust division at one point, Robert Jackson, Mm -hmm. who in FDR about Mm -hmm. 80 years ago Mm has given some great speeches and Mm -hmm. I've read all of them.
1: Is that a legal hero? Absolutely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He is an absolute legal hero. Why is that? Oh, he's one of the greatest uh, legal mm-hmm. minds. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a huge impact that to this day we feel it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wrote some of the dissents in mm-hmm. Korematsu and mm-hmm. some of the you know some of the most significant uh, cases. He was a prosecutor at the Nuremberg trial, mm-hmm. but in antitrust, he actually saved, I think, the direction of the country mm-hmm. at the time when we were looking to see whether we should be focused on markets and let markets decide prices and direction, as opposed to the government directing. Remember, around that time after the World War and leading up to World War II, uh, we were debating whether or not we should set prices and determine what products and outputs should be out there because Mm -hmm. of steel and other needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a big debate. And I think he prevailed and allowed the free market to survive. Now, we make mistakes Mm -hmm. in enforcement and we get corrected, you know, by the courts and the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. that sets the guidelines and determines kind of the contours of antitrust over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think there's the right balance. We need to be vigilant, Mm -hmm. making sure, I think, you know, timely and vigorous enforcement of the antitrust laws, Mm -hmm. like in Microsoft or other cases that Mm -hmm. may come up, is really important because if you don't do that, then you do have failure in the market, mm-hmm. and that's when there's calls for regulation. Right. That's where Congress then steps in and says, well, you can only have 30% programming, right. and now you have a very static mm-hmm. uh, government rules that might be arbitrary, but that's what the law is. Right. And those only come in when there's been a failure in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And to me, a failure in the marketplace can mean a failure in enforcement mm-hmm. of the free market.
1: So let's, let's fast forward then to your recent case. I know you can't talk uh, things that are currently in litigation, but you lost uh, a case, the the AT and T case, and you you have all since appealed. What how what, what can you talk about it? What can you say about that case right now?
2: Well, look, it's an important case. <laughs> uh, it's one of the. First uh, of that has been litigated, not the first challenge. There's right. a lot of folks talking about vertical mm-hmm. mergers mm-hmm. versus horizontal vertical. Right. Can you explain
1: that for people who don't understand?
2: Sure. Uh, it depends on where in that uh, in that chain mm-hmm. of uh, supply it is. So a vertical would be a a distributor mm-hmm. that buys an input, a mm-hmm. product that they would sell. So right. let's say, um, uh, well, a perfect example is AT and T or Comcast, they're Mm -hmm. distributors of Mm -hmm. programming content, Mm -hmm. and Time Warner, or NBC and Universal, Mm -hmm. they're the creators of the program. So uh, Time Warner would normally be incentivized to sell to all distributors that ultimately get to the marketplace. If AT&T is a distributor, owns it, those incentives change of whether or not they want to sell it to other distributors, because all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. they're now The owner mm -hmm. and and also a vendor to a competitor. Mm -hmm. And so that dynamic changes. It's, you know, sometimes these concepts can be complicated, Mm -hmm. but it's relatively simple. Mm -hmm. uh, Is, you know, do those bargaining powers change Mm -hmm. with that type of a merger? Um, Some people, uh, including the merging parties, criticized Mm -hmm. us that it's the first time we've Mm -hmm. ever enforced. Well, that's not the case because... Mm -hmm. If people remember Comcast and NBC in the prior administration, it was settled. It was a case that was actually filed mm-hmm. and simultaneously settled with a right. seven year consent decree mm-hmm. that prevented Comcast from taking certain actions yeah. in violation of the antitrust laws. Mm-hmm. And so the issue wasn't that it wasn't, it was just not settled. And those settlements, mm-hmm. I've given speeches, I've written about these, I think is actually not good for the consumer Why because. Is that? So, uh, so your
1: point is that they they the government had objections to it and they settled it before it got to trust so that they, correct, which typically happens, as which in many, many times happens. Right,
2: absolutely. Right. But right. so there's different types of settlements. Mm-hmm. So in that particular one and this is Comcast, Comcast, NBC, NBC mm-hmm. uh, what are called behavioral remedies. So a mm-hmm. behavioral settlement. And right. what it means is that you, Kara, cannot do certain things for the next seven years right. or five years or mm-hmm. 20 years. As opposed to what we call a structural settlement saying, Mm -hmm. "Okay, hey, this is the problem Mm -hmm. that causes the competitive consumer harm. Mm -hmm. You better sell off that business. Right.
1: And get rid of it. Get
2: rid of it. Mm -hmm. And let's create Mm -hmm. the same competitive landscape Mm -hmm. by having somebody else run it with the incentive to Mm -hmm. maximize it. Right. Rather than saying, you know, uh, you're the tiger. You're going to be walking (laughs) down the, the, (laughs) you know, Fifth Avenue in in Manhattan. And we're just going to, we were going to ask you to promise. Not to bite people. to Not to bite people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you'll agree for five years, but after five years, you're going to bite people.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it requires the antitrust enforcer to now step into the role of a regulator of that mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I don't think I or many people are smart enough to guess Seven years from now, what where technology be will be, mm-hmm. what the consumer or business model will be. Right. And whether or not that'll be good.
1: So, you, the structural remedy was... Structural
2: remedies, I think, is the preferred one,
1: mm-hmm.
2: if it's possible. And I thought in the AT&T Time Warner case... So, in
1: the previous case, which was a similar to the Comcast uh, NBC one, there was a consent decree. It's still enforced.
2: For another three days. Three
1: day, another, oh, is it three days? From
2: September now? 1, it expires. Wow. And the, and the tiger FCC will start eating, one turned. <laughs> well, you would, you know, you, who knows? Uh, if it will, you yeah. hope that there's, but yeah. the, certainly the marketplace yeah. hasn't really changed to a certain degree. Now, uh-huh. there was a hope uh-huh. that there would be online competition by streaming right. and cord cutters. And we do have that. We do that. have that, right. However, if network neutrality rules are mm-hmm. not in place,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you tell me if an incumbent mm-hmm. has the same incentives to allow free, unfeathered access right. to somebody who now competes we with them. We will
1: see. We will see what they'll do. So in this case, you decided a structural runner, was the best case, which I read your...
2: Because it was available. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'd say probably 80% of the merger mm-hmm. uh, I would have found would be, we, we found in our model and mm-hmm. economic models, uh, would be actually pro-consumer, com- pro mm-hmm. pro-competitive. You know, AT&T could own HBO, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, you know, another uh, distributor could not own a Showtime. Maybe it's not as good as HBO, but they could. Right. Because now they'll have the incentive to be better. Um, Or, you know, stars Mm -hmm. or, you know, you name it, Flix or Netflix. Mm -hmm. And so there's ways of doing that. You know, and the studio Mm -hmm. was fine. You know, they could own the studio. Mm -hmm. Could they keep some of that content away? Yes, but there was a competitive studio market. You have seven other studios that create Mm -hmm. the content. Mm The area of sports mm-hmm. and, you know, was the area that our economists found, and that's what we did. But, you mm-hmm. know, the district court judge did not agree. The district court judge, you know, one of our issues on appeal mm-hmm. is that there was some fundamental uh, mistakes and logic mm-hmm. uh, that applied to that case. Uh, it's laid out in our appellate brief. Mm-hmm. It's also laid out in six amicus briefs that were filed on our side, mm-hmm. um, including one from 29 very prominent uh, scholars, including mm-hmm. Professor Hovenkamp, who writes the treatise in antitrust law mm-hmm. out of University of Pennsylvania. Professors so uh, g- Doug g- Mellomet and others. So your,
1: give your easiest lawyer version of what you're appealing.
2: Here's the simplest so that, one. But
1: before we do that, sure. the judge ruled against you. The merger has gone forward.
2: Judge said that we did not meet our burden of proof. Mm-hmm. So the government has a burden of proof by preponderance mm-hmm. of 51 percent. That this will cause harm. But the judge ruled almost, you know, that You know, we didn't make a single point in this case Mm -hmm. and that, you know, it was implausible, uh, some of the uh, evidence that was put forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was an interesting, you know, application of some of the evidence Mm -hmm. and standards. So we'll see what the court of appeals will decide later this year, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Uh, We entered into uh, an understanding with AT&T that they would keep the Turner business Mm -hmm. separate until February 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, pending appeal. Um, or earlier if the appeal decides that, you know uh, they're fine. So that allows in the event we win, uh, to allow for a structural remedy for them to sell that business off,
1: off to the one side as the merger goes to forward, somebody else
2: right. as the merger goes as, forward. Well, the merger, yeah, yeah. they they, closed. they We closed. let them no, close. I know it's yeah, yeah, And as a condition, you know, mm-hmm. we did not seek emergency appeal. If we right. sought emergency appeal, the deal could have unraveled. Right. And two thirds of that deal was not, you know, problematic. Mm-hmm. And as long as they kept that business separate, then you know, we go through a regular, orderly process. So, in the simplest form. Mm-hmm. Here's what the judge, you know, one of the mistakes uh, in that r- ruling uh, that, w- that we assert out in, uh, uh, in our appeal is he said that it is, you know, it is implausible that a subsidiary of a company, a wholly owned subsidiary. So mm-hmm. let's say there's company parent mm-hmm. that owns two subsidiaries. Right. And just for the purpose of simplicity, that subsidiary A, mm-hmm. he said it's implausible. That subsidiary A would ever... Sac- Let's just say that they get $2 of revenue a mm-hmm. year. That they would sacrifice $1 of revenue a year in order for the parent mm-hmm. to make an extra 3 Right. Which, you know, just pure economics says, if any of those subsidiaries every single day and three times on Wednesdays, you'd mm-hmm. be willing to give up $1 to get $3. Right. Uh, who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. But he said no they will they'll make independent financial decisions, decisions mm-hmm. but that independence goes away when they're owned by the same company and mm-hmm. has one you know mm-hmm. profit and loss balance sheet mm-hmm. so that is something that has been recognized by the supreme court mm-hmm. uh, that has been recognized by every economist that that is the, one of the most fundamental parts of when you have one entity and then at the same time he said that you know, there's benefits, there's efficiencies that the consumer would benefit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we said that there could be mm-hmm. up to a certain amount,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but that only goes if, so if, uh, you know, when you combine a distributor and a, right. and, a uh, and, and a content provider, mm-hmm. uh, a concept in economics called, you know, elimination of double marginalization, then mm-hmm. both of them will seek to get some kind of a profit yes. to survive. Once they're combined... You presume maybe they could do away with one of those margins mm-hmm. in order to compete with their competitors. Right. So technically prices could go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and we said that's that could. But that only happens right. if you believe in the, the same unit entity mm-hmm. uh, working to maximize the overall, overall profit right. because you're now competing to yeah. get mar- market share. If they were, if it was implausible that they would ever eliminate this, mm-hmm. so you can't have this internal inconsistency mm-hmm. in the opinion, which, you know, uh, in my view is the 13th time of the clock, mm-hmm. it puts a big shadow on the question of the logic that was applied in this case. Um, the judge said, look, you know, I, I can't believe that I have, this was the first antitrust case, mm-hmm. that I have to have a crystal ball to look ahead, right. perspective. Well. That's what antitrust merger law is. You have to look what happens in the future. In the future. And you have to dip so, it in the bud. So
1: were you surprised by the ruling?
2: I was surprised by the way it was written. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was.
1: Yeah. And so when you when you go forward with this, if it is not ruling your favor, it just moves forward, correct? What are the two outcomes that can happen? The well, appeals court. could happen? Well, we could... If agrees
2: with you. The if the appeal court uh, appeals court agrees with mm-hmm. us, it could be, for example, remanded to a district court mm-hmm. for reconsideration according to whatever they rule. Mm-hmm. They could, or they could deny uh, our appeal and uphold the district court. Right. And that that'll be, you know, uh, that could be the end of that. But both parties will also have the chance to either. Uh, go further in appeal. So if, Mm -hmm. let's say, AT&T loses, presumably, they could ask for either an en banc hearing Mm -hmm. or go to the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. and we would, but, uh, you know, that would be our choices, but, you know, whether or not this is the type of case. not to appeal,
1: or you felt, from your perspective?
2: Sure, you always consider Mm -hmm. uh, whether you should or not Mm -hmm. because there's a risk that you would then set a bad precedent now that Mm -hmm. is a larger Mm -hmm. bad precedent. Uh, But this was, the, the opinion was so flawed that I thought it was really important mm-hmm. to get in this area. There isn't guidance right. um, to, the, you know, to the business community. What, what are the contours? What should mm-hmm. be the limits? And many people said, well, this is so fact-based that this is limited to this, but not an antitrust. There's not that many right. antitrust litigations, So these have an outsized impact on the business community. And I think it's important to have guidance and, and clarify the errors. Now, if, you know, if the court rules that we then were that's wrong, the rules of the and, game,
1: then that'll be the, yeah,
2: that's exactly right.
1: So la- lastly in this section, and then I want to talk about where the future is going with all these sure. companies, um, you got dragged into a political fight. How was, how much pressure was that on you? Because most, uh, the president had said very negative things about CNN and continues to do. How did you address that? You, did you ignore it or what, how did you feel about that?
2: Well, AT&T tried to make it an issue of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, President they, Trump's
1: pretty loud about CNN. Well,
2: he did. He had made some comments, yeah. uh, before, Before he, he was could, yeah. president during the yeah. campaign, but but he wasn't the only one.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I think the other candidates, including mm-hmm. uh, you know Secretary Clinton yeah. uh, and Senator Sanders, uh, have said that. I gotta think I forget like mm-hmm. maybe twenty senators mm-hmm. who wrote to me mm-hmm. saying that block this merger mm-hmm. or do not do a behavioral remedy or right. something. So this was a bipartisan criticism about mm-hmm. this transaction and consolidation in general. Now. It makes no sense Mm -hmm. and that the merger action was brought because of somehow an animus to CNN. Yeah. Because if you actually logically think about the case, Mm -hmm. what we were arguing Mm -hmm. was to have Time Warner distribute Tribune, which Mm -hmm. includes CNN, Mm -hmm. as broadly as possible. Mm -hmm. Because our theory is if it's merged, then you won't distribute broadly in order to seek rent for DirecTV. And, you know, are you going to give up a couple of bucks of a license fee for a channel in order to gain a new subscriber mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. DirecTV that might right. be worth $1,500. Right, I mean, right, that's, again, that's the math that we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. So the logic made no sense. Mm-hmm. And the judge shut that part down. Mm-hmm. And they said that, you know, that they, they tried to make that. Um, but there was a major PR effort mm-hmm. by at and in this case. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they it, you know, it was... Salacious enough mm-hmm. that if people were not familiar with antitrust law and, and exactly right. what we were right. arguing, right. oh, this might be, but right. it really wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, and it had nothing to deal do with the it.
1: Pressure from
2: that. Oh, this, you know, these jobs come with part of that pressure. Mm-hmm. You just kind of you do what you do. Again, uh, Justice Jackson. Uh, you know, you go back and mm-hmm. read him,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and about you know he gave a beautiful speech in the Great Hall to the second gathering of the U.S. Attorneys in mm-hmm. 1940 mm-hmm. Uh, at Justice. Where uh, to this day, I think it is, it should be a model for every law enforcement official mm-hmm. Which and is. federal prosecutor. I said, you know, uh, we have a, a huge role as prosecutors. Mm-hmm. We, uh, you know, you can indict, you can prosecute, you mm-hmm. can do a lot of things. And the Constitution empowers you, but you have to do the right thing. And the reason why you are in these jobs and it requires, you know, presidential appointment and Senate confirmation is that. You have to win, uh, you know, a a seal of approval of your character Mm -hmm. by not only the executive branch, which is the branch that appoints you the president, but also from the legislative branch, which is the Senate Mm -hmm. that has to confirm you. And an important part and says, you know, you really need to uh, factor in and you don't go after individuals. You go after cases Mm -hmm. and you need need to take a look. Exactly. And make the case because and he said back then, 80 years ago. And if you go after individuals, there's enough laws on the book where you almost, and this is back then mm-hmm. where the federal law books were probably like this, as opposed to today, <laughs> yeah. is that you'll be able to find a violation on anybody. Mm-hmm. I think it holds even more true today.
1: Absolutely. We're here with Macon Delrahim. That's a very thoughtful thing to say. He's the Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division of the U.S. Justice Department. We were just talking about his involvement with the AT&T-Time uh, Warner merger. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the future of antitrust law, especially when it relates to tech and media. We're here with Macon Rahim. He's the Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division of the U.S. Justice Department. Um, so going forward, th- th- this appeal will either happen or it won't. People either accuse you of carrying water for the president or not. It doesn't really matter. Sure. Um, but one of the interesting parts of the case, besides the allegations of interference by President Trump, was that AT&T and others, big telcos, were talking about the idea that they they were under siege by the internet companies, which is I, to me is mind blowing if you think about it. Um, and actually, they they are in a lot of ways. Media companies are, telcos are. Everybody's sort of fighting for the consumer. When you think about that it, from an antitrust perspective, how does the landscape going forward look to you? Because I think it's going to be very complex for the government to try to figure out how to regulate and control this.
2: So that that is interesting. I mean, it's it's always fascinating yeah. when um, uh, when. Incumbents say, I can't compete with these new innovators. (laughs) Right, exactly. Save us. We need to, you need to approve a otherwise illegal merger so that I can compete with somebody (laughs) who's killing me in competition. Uh, I think that's even more important.
1: Allegedly illegal. Right now it is not.
2: Allegedly. <laughs> okay. Well, interestingly, okay. the opinion, the judge went on and on mm-hmm. talking about why, because mm-hmm. of Amazon and Netflix mm-hmm. and Facebook.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's they why need to. These.
2: And he said that these are vertically integrated. Therefore, okay. I need to vertically integrate
1: yeah, these companies. Did. That's my point.
2: The fascinating part is you tell me. And it's not lost on most mm-hmm. of the American public that, you know, Netflix and, um, you know, Sling mm-hmm. or Amazon mm-hmm. or any of these other companies that need to reach any one of us as consumers, right. they're not vertically integrated mm-hmm. in what we're talking about. Why? Because they still need to go through a cable pipe mm-hmm. or a wireless network right. to be able to access, which, again, gets back to the network neutrality issue. <laughs> they still need to get through us, through them, to right. get to us. right. That's the difference between vertical integration there, mm-hmm. as opposed to they don't
1: have the distributor, a
2: Comcast app. or AT and T or a Verizon mm-hmm. owning mm-hmm. one of those companies right. or the content. Right. So Netflix had to invest and mm-hmm. create this new content area, mm-hmm. uh, so as did Amazon, to you know go and produce and compete. Right. They had to pay that producer that right. produces right. whatever House of Cards for five million dollars an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to compete with HBO and NBC right. in order to buy that right. and they put did. it on their network. They paid more. That's right. all that means. Mm-hmm. But if they can't, if they get throttled, I mean, you saw the yeah. recent news this week mm-hmm. about Verizon, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, rolling back the firefighters. Mm-hmm. So the power is there to do so uh, when you're somebody is competing with them and the incentive will be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... That that isn't vertical integration. That's another major mistake. Exactly. Of course. As long as (laughs) they promise, it'll be fine. Uh, So frankly, I you know I think I I am very skeptical Mm -hmm. of those types of arguments. Arguments. Uh, It certainly is. I mean, it's just ludicrous to even think Mm -hmm. about it here. Mm -hmm. That hey, we can't. Well, there's nothing to stop Time Warner from going directly to consumers, Mm -hmm. you know, the technology, be able to go directly just like Netflix or Amazon does. Mm -hmm. You don't need to buy a satellite dish and a wireless network and a fiber line as they did in order to get to the consumer. Right. You don't need to do that. Just, you already actually have a huge studio, Mm -hmm. an incredible library, one of the most cherished Mm -hmm. content, Mm -hmm. you know, Batman, Harry Potter. So what they have is already volume.
1: They're not going to die because...
2: They wouldn't die if they actually wanted to compete with those people. Mm -hmm. And same thing with, you know... Uh, the telcos. The telcos. Mm-hmm. You know, go out and, you know, uh, compete directly for that. Uh, yes, if the consumer...
1: mean, make it on their own. Make, make their own stuff without buying it.
2: Right. Well, here they could have bought, you know, even Warner Brothers Studios right, and HBO and Cinemax to be right. able to do that. Mm-hmm. But in our economic model, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have caused the same harm because it actually would have created more competition and more choices. Right. But what is interesting is that they could have done that. That argument was, mm-hmm. you know, was a, in my view, was a kind of... Uh, the
1: scary internet people. Uh,
2: yeah, and it was one where, you know, most people wouldn't have, would mm-hmm. have seen right through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judge bought the whole thing okay. and cited it in the opinion, uh, which, um, you know, hopefully the court of appeals will pay attention to it.
1: So if you do want to go down that road and believe that the Googles and the, uh, the Facebooks are, and Amazons are very powerful, what can they buy? Because a lot of people feel they're going to start doing the exact same thing. Like, well, someone just the other day said that, for example, they wouldn't have allowed, it was a lawyer I was talking to you, and they said they wouldn't have allowed WhatsApp to happen today, Facebook buying WhatsApp, or Google buying uh, YouTube, or, or things like that that happened before.
2: Perhaps. I mean, if, if they were at the same place. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was raised uh, to be about Google and YouTube, just mm-hmm. as an example. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that those companies are, you know, or are, are, you know, per se legal, or right. every activity is legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could very well be violating the antitrust laws down the mm-hmm. road if they take certain actions. Mm-hmm. But uh, just taking a look at YouTube, back when they purchased YouTube, mm-hmm. was it the robust content mm-hmm. distributor that it is today right. online? I don't think so. Did it benefit? From the technology and the resources yes. that Google had mm-hmm. in order to make it what it is, yes, and that's the efficiency that is positive. Mm-hmm. That's when mergers. You know, ninety-five like percent Facebook of which. Like
1: Facebook buying Instagram, or
2: Facebook buying Instagram is another one. Now, you know, if Instagram was an actual like it is today, mm-hmm. back when they bought it, you know, does that raise competitive problems? Probably, mm-hmm. but would Instagram be what it is today without right. Facebook? Right. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And those are times and snapshots that enforcers need to be really vigilant. Mm -hmm. They need to look at it. They need to look at not only the price factors, Mm -hmm. output, innovation, Mm -hmm. quality, and seeing that, you know, does this merger harm the you know, the competitive process in mm-hmm. any way. Mm-hmm. And if so, they need to step in. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be afraid of, you know, politics or the PR mm-hmm. that those companies can bring down. Right. I know that Joel Klein and the Clinton administration. <laughs>
1: Who's now at Facebook?
2: Uh, is he at Facebook? Facebook. I did not no, know that. No, Kaplan
1: is. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. Joel yeah. Kaplan, Kaplan is. Yeah. But
2: uh, Klein, who was mm-hmm. the head of That's the right. antitrust division under at the Clinton. At Microsoft. Uh, you know, they were under a huge fire by mm-hmm. Microsoft at that time. Yes, they were. You know, there were senators standing up, you know, uh, threatening to, in fact, not only threatening, but actually trying to mm-hmm. uh, defund the antitrust division at the time, defund mm-hmm. Joel's car access mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. silly things like that, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, ultimately were not successful. Mm-hmm. But those are important um, factors to consider right. is uh disregard that type of heat that'll come on you, do the job that you took the oath to do.
1: So you, when, when, when these come, these are inevitably going to come down the pike, these, these mergers, as these companies get more and more powerful. I I think they are, um, that they will start buying up lots and lots of things. You wouldn't surprise say, you know, I've always thought someone will buy Disney, but maybe not now with the other merger going Mm -hmm. on. Um, but that there is going to be massive consolidation of these companies. Do you anticipate that or you just wait and see what comes down the
2: road? Uh, well, we you have to just wait and see. You don't mm-hmm. know what will trigger, you know, that type of a merger or activity mm-hmm. uh, or why uh, or when, mm-hmm. if it happens. Um, now, I've heard that, you know, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Apple buying a content company yes. but or that they grow it organically. Right. You want them to grow organically. Right. And you want them to succeed. Right. You want them to topple right. uh, an incumbent mm-hmm. to the extent that any of those companies can. But if they actually merge and... Mm-hmm do so. By and if Disney, it shows that it would be a violate, well, and that's the question, you know, will they, would that violate the antitrust laws? You know, these things are very fact specific. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would that violate? And that's where, if it does, you need to go to court and stop it.
1: So let me finish up by talking sure. about the idea of where antitrust is going. When you think about things like, does it have to change in this era when when they could all argue there is plenty, there's there's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of, but they don't actually compete with each other in a weird way. Facebook doesn't actually compete with Google, right? Exactly. Right. Neither does. Zan- they're all sort of. And you of hope they legs. haven't
2: agreed to not. Right. Compete. Right. No.
1: No. Yeah. They all get together and uh, like, <laughs> trade our private information and then
2: move along. They tried. I mean, they, you know, Google yeah. tried many times to create, you know, Google and so yes, They try to do different they things. Did. And it just didn't. They, it, you they know, were bad at. It. Yeah, they're not they very social.
1: Bad. I don't know if you know those people, <laughs> but they're not good at social things. But in terms of when you look at the future of i I just love to get your sort of high level idea of where you think it's going and especially in light of the fact that Europe and other places are, are becoming more stringent on these, on these large mega companies. Uh,
2: so let me take those in two different ways okay. uh, because there's an important factor on mm-hmm. the international side mm-hmm. because there's no international code. Mm-hmm. But then there's one about domestic and where mm-hmm. sh- is the law and where should it go? Mm-hmm. So you know, I think the law is flexible mm-hmm. as it is today. I think there's broad consensus on the left, the right, the middle, everywhere on this that, um, you know, as long as you can have credible evidence, I think you need to have the will to be aggressive in a timely fashion Mm -hmm. uh, before you kill off too many companies and innovators Mm -hmm. to step in where there is the evidence and it's, you know, it shows that there would be anti-competitive conduct or effect. And you want... To do that I think the law is flexible enough as we have it mm-hmm. uh, again like the Microsoft case mm-hmm. will always be challenged by new technology mm-hmm. and new practices mm-hmm. particularly in digital mm-hmm. you have what are called network effects so it's a winner-take-all mm-hmm. um, that could cause issues you have issues dealing with big data mm-hmm. that people talk about uh, and you have to take a look at those and how does that really fit into uh, ultimately what benefits the consumer and the free market mm-hmm. so I think the law is flexible. We'll see. You know, sometimes courts could get them, get things wrong. Right. And then, you know, that's really up to Congress to then mm-hmm. change that uh, after a debate, you know, where there has been market failure, like in telecom where there used mm-hmm. to be, or cable with the 92 right. Cable Act. Then there is the issue of the international, mm-hmm. you know, are more aggressive enforcers better? Mm-hmm. Uh, does right. that mean that they're better at antitrust or better mm-hmm. for the marketplace? I don't think so. I think there needs to be a. Um, I hope that we continue to diverge. I'm very heartened that the fact that over the years we have had more and more di- uh, convergence on mm-hmm. the principles, mm-hmm. and we got to be vigilant, make sure we don't diverge on the fundamental basics of you know economics-based antitrust in, in application. Uh, we don't have an international agreement. We don't have an agreement about how you view mm-hmm. this. And one of the more dangerous things, I think, you know, that could happen moving forward is that a country uses the antitrust laws as a weapon against as an economic weapon against one of our companies or or an industry in In their country, in their
1: country to fight. Well, they've done they do that in Europe. I mean, uh, interesting. I interviewed President Obama. He was he said the Europeans are just doing it to hurt Google. And I was like. Some people could feel Google's a little strong. Well, that's,
2: you know, President yeah. Obama and, yeah. and President Trump seem to agree on yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I don't know, yeah. and I'd like to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, make sure because I don't think it would be fair for us to second guess mm-hmm. their enforcement decisions right. if we don't have the same evidence and analysis. Right. So I think it's really important for us mm-hmm. to also look at that. Yeah, because here in this
1: country, Yelp has some opinions about that. You, you know, Yelp has it. That. Many yeah. other, yeah. Uh,
2: you know, content companies mm-hmm. have those mm-hmm. views. So we have that, and there's, I think, a couple of state—maybe a state attorney general in mm-hmm. Missouri has brought mm-hmm. a case yep. uh, yeah. or investigation in, in Google— But – and, you know, the Federal Trade Commission in 2013 Mm -hmm. had one. They did. So – but I think we need to make sure that that doesn't happen, that Mm -hmm. they don't use that because it's really easy to apply nebulous economic Mm -hmm. standards and Mm -hmm. say – you know, you are charging too high of a price for your patent mm-hmm. or your copyrighted content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's a violation of our antitrust law, because mm-hmm. now you're escaping other, you know, potentially right. trade agreements on right. IP or other right. areas, because now it's you're doing it enforcing antitrust. And we need to be very careful not to do that.
1: Not to do this.
2: Not to make sure that other countries don't do that. A big part of my job now, which, mm-hmm. you know, probably wasn't 20 years ago in that mm-hmm. in this job, is... Lots of international engagement. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, I have a right. full, just a full time deputy for international mm-hmm. um, who focuses on it. We have announced a multilateral uh, agreement just on basic procedures mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, requires a commitment from all of our trading partners to not uh, treat a Uh, foreign national any differently than the way you would treat it. We took a number of concepts from Mm -hmm. trade and Mm -hmm. antitrust and international agreements to come up with a uh, standard that would work for For. countries that have different legal and political Mm -hmm. regimes. Uh, And I've been very heartened Mm -hmm. by the Brazilians, Mexican, Canadian, uh, many other countries Mm -hmm. that have uh, signed on to help us negotiate that. We're negotiating.
1: Right. Because they're much stricter. I mean, I've heard calls from them for breakups. But this is... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've absolutely.
2: But this day. is basic right. due process mm-hmm. is all we're calling for. So right. we're not asking for an actual standard of law, I but see. it basically says you would allow for, you know, to uh, look at, you know, uh, uh, to have attorney-client privilege, mm-hmm. the right to counsel. Right. Um, some of the mm-hmm. most fundamental procedural norms that almost every regime mm-hmm. uh, uh, recognizes, to we get are the saying same. to do I see. that. Get the same. At, at least it's a good start.
1: But do you see, I mean, just the other day, someone from Europe was talking about breaking up Facebook, for example.
2: Yeah. I've seen a lot of those calls. And, And? you know, people get a lot of headlines Mm -hmm. and attention Mm -hmm. by calling on, you know, antitrust actions or breaking up this company and that Mm -hmm. company. It happens in the United States. Mm -hmm. We've heard this the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do. I think that. I think we got to do what we have to do. They're all look coming at to chases. Washington next
1: week. To talk. I,
2: I, I did see that. And yeah. there's broader policies. You know, mm-hmm. the issues, really important mm-hmm. issues on data protection. Yeah. There's really important issues of privacy. And mm-hmm. these are uh, important policy issues that the legislative branch and the mm-hmm. executive branch should consider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it's outside of antitrust law. Largely. <laughs> you'll, um,
1: you'll so watch I don't have, them. have to worry about but that. Of watch. course,
2: we'll watch them. Yeah.
1: yeah. What, what could one of these things do that would you go wait a second?
2: Well, I mean. If they coordinated mm-hmm. uh, with each other, you mm-hmm. know, turn, entered into an agreement to do certain things or stay out of each other's markets. You
1: know, they're all at the Palo Alto Starbucks right now.
2: Planet. <laughs> no, <I'm teasing. laughs> or they might be going to, <laughs> you know, teasing. what is that? Uh, in, in Sun Valley or something. Oh, but... they're all,
1: Are you kidding? They're all plotting there. Megan, no, you so I don't. Uh, I you don't think... go there. They're not let you in.
2: Uh, uh, they have not let me in there. Okay. All right. that's, a, that's, that's a different club.
1: Because <laughs> you'll rifle through their hotel rooms.
2: But it's it's an interesting one that, <laughs> you know, we actually look for the evidence of the wrongdoing. So right. that's, I think, an important aspect. Yeah. is. Then uh, uh, if there is, then we'll go after them.
1: Okay. And how long are you going to stay in this job, Megan?
2: Oh, I serve at the pleasure <laughs> okay. of other people. And uh, as long as I, I, I you know, have a—this uh, is a dream job for somebody like me— um, Ooh, are you, you going to get
1: back to biotech?
2: You know, if the opportunity comes. Yeah, we got uh, some
1: stuff out in Silicon Valley you might want to tell. There's
2: a lot of uh, fun. I I love what goes on, and that's mm-hmm. an area that continues to improve all of our lives. Mm-hmm. It has a huge impact not Absolutely. only on healthcare costs.
1: No, we haven't even gotten to the beginning of it.
2: Oh, we were not even there, and I'm mm-hmm. a big believer that molecular biology is going to ultimately uh, address issues like cancer yeah. uh, and other diseases.
1: Um, you know, the Silicon Valley moguls don't want to die. They're working on that.
2: They're all working towards they're it.
1: They're working towards it. Yeah, no, gonna have, I have You're going to have to do antitrust uh, for people who are 300 years old. Anyway, I really appreciate this. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. This is a fascinating discussion. I, I do want to talk more about legal issues as we go forward, especially like you were talking about around headlines, like break them up or whatever. I want to get into a little more sophisticated discussion about that, but I appreciate your coming to talk. Um, And thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find more episodes of Recode Decode on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you didn't like the interview or just want to say hi, tweet at me. I'm at Kara Swisher uh, on Twitter. But James Woods, please stop texting at me. Now that you're done with this, go out and check out our latest episode of Recode Media. You can find that show wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode, and thanks to our editor Joel Robbie and our producer Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.